And welcome, Rugby Rant fans. It's another rant episode. We know you love it. <laughs> I mean, I love it. Rob loves it. And we got two guys who have been on here before, and they certainly love it. I'm Scott the Big Guy Ferrara. That's Rob the Hammer Hammerschmidt. And with us today, we have Doug Wilkie of the Arrows Up Toronto Arrows fan group and Ron Burgundy. I mean, Rick Collins from Texas <laughs> Rugby Monthly and the Dallas Jackals fan group. Gentlemen, thanks for joining us. Yeah, it's great to be here. I love coming on every time, and uh, I'm ready to rant today. Thanks for having me. I miss you, Ty. <laughs> <laughs> we miss Ty, too. Yeah, unfortunately, R. Ty R. couldn't R. be here. <laughs> Definitely not RIP. Ty's alive and well. Trust me. We speak to him 12 times a day. It's it's not a weekend of Bernie's situation. Um, but it is what it is. For those of you who have, who have not seen the rant before, we do our rants uh, kind of almost like a rugby match. We give each uh, ranter two minutes to rant on the topic at hand. This time we didn't do a poll because we had some breaking news uh, out of world rugby. Um, and if you go over that two minutes, Rob, what do you get? You get you get the cheese. The cheese, baby. Uh, if I deem it that you need another slice of cheese, you also get that wine, that red card, baby, and you are off the screen. Um, so, gentlemen, be careful because we know, you know, that's one of our things. You got to you got to be in that two minute time limit. Um, but before we get to the actual um, rent uh, um, topic, I got to talk about uh, Rick Swag there. I mean, that's a sweet uh, kit, man. Let's see it. Oh, yeah. Oh, there we go. Wow. The guns were popping, baby. <laughs> Sun's out, guns out for Rick Collins, baby. Yeah, as long as I don't go below the chest, then yeah. <laughs> and you can get all that it's lovely. That's awesome. You can get all that lovely kit, including the hat that Doug Wilkie's wearing, the hat that I'm wearing, and a lot of the kit that me, Rob, and Ty wear on the show from our buddies at shopmlr.com, powered by the rugby shop. I mean, the amount of amazing kit that's there, you know, it's the last quarter of the season, and you know the kit's going to be gone by the end of the playoffs. So get your kit now at shopmlr.com before it's gone. You want to say you were a rugby fan, an MLR fan in 2021, and how do you prove it? with 2021 swag from shopmlr.com powered by the rugby shop. Hey, so guys, Scott, don't forget, don't forget. Uh, I'm seeing that as of taping today, which is on Monday, they were actually shipping the LA Giltini's kit out today. Uh, some folks got it in the mail. I know some <laughs> Finally. Stuff coming out. It's been a while, but that's what happens when you change your logo like the day before the season. Yes, that's that's not on the rugby shop. That is on the team. Right. Listen, I got some good LA kit before anybody else, so I'm not going to complain about that. Oh, um, but but we have we have a good topic for those of you uh, who are in the know uh, on rugby, as we like to say. Uh, we didn't do a poll this week, and what the topic is is reports out of New Zealand and Australia, and the we're reporting it one uh, uh, people we know, the RugbyPass.com, who powered the rugby network that we all love uh, and and know, watching MLR. Um, matches on they are reporting that world rugby is going to take on two new law variations to test in a 12-month window for world rugby starting august 1st the first uh law variation is that 50 22 rule so for example if a team is kicking from their own inside their own half and they kick it out past the opposition 22 the kicking team will get an attacking line out from where it bounced out of right and then the second change is if you hold up an offensive player in the in goal area instead of a five meter scrum put in to the team that got held up the defending team 
will do a drop a drop kick from the goal line. So losing possession, the, the offensive team effectively losing possession on that drop kick. Um, Rick is already shaking his head. So we'll get into his two minutes aren't even starting yet. And Rick is already shaking his head. And me and Rick has I've had some <laughs> some conversations since I told him the topic. We've had some great conversations about it. But but you know, what does that mean for the MLR? What does that mean for you know the internationals coming up and things like that? Doug Wilkie, your two minutes starts now. So am I talking about both both of the law variations or just okay both of them? Yeah. So first of all, the timing of both of these law variations, I don't like it. It's it seems like it's right in the middle of the international window, and there's going to be the the the, the Lions tour, the the international um, tours for Canada and USA over to the UK, and then things are going to switch um, right away at the end of the year. I think they're just going to be a better time. Um, to introduce these variations, the fifty twenty two. A lot of people already complain about the kicking, and I just kicking happening a lot more. And in the professional age with these players, I think uh, I think the fifty is a little too close. Like I think moving it back to like a twenty two twenty two. If you kick it from your twenty two and you kick it down in, into the other op- opposition's twenty two then you should get it. But I mean, kicking it from the 50 and getting it into the 22 and then getting your own line out, like it just seems like everybody's going to be kicking. I could see some positives. Wingers might have to drop back a lot more. Obviously they're going to have to protect that kick and it might open up lines in the defensive defensive, or open up holes in the defensive line for the uh, attacking team to attack into uh, because the wingers are hanging back a little bit more. So that's maybe a positive. Maybe we'll see some more out of that. And um, are we going to start seeing some more people that are, are like geared towards kicking? I mean, pens can already kick. But are we going to see people on teams who can make that kick consistently? And maybe they can't do much else, but they can, they can sure get you uh, field position by making a great kick. I like the – the in goal dropout for holding it up. I think if a team is able to hold the ball up, they've done something that doesn't happen all that often. It's hard to do. So it, it's always like you do that and it's like, great. Yeah. Now we have a five meter scrum and we're just, they're just going to run it down our throat anyways. The team is getting the ball back and it's a drop. It's not a 22 drop. It's an in goal drop. So um, the other team is getting the ball back still. Uh, but it just gives a little bit more of a, an advantage to that team who is able to hold the ball up. Gotcha. And you know what the big guy has to do? Give you some cheese because you went. Uh, <laughs> I, think I get it every time I'm on here, so might as well keep the tradition going, baby. <laughs> just collecting slices of cheese. He got to change his last name to Kraft. But I think you made some good <laughs> Um, uh, if for those of you that that didn't see, because I'm sure Rug was uh, Doug was zoomed in on the screen when he was talking about the law the law change about the uh, being held up, Rick Collins just went full, ah, you know, looking to say something. But I think you I think you brought up good points. Um, I I'm, I'm going to wait to to talk about my uh, my opinions until after everybody's done. But I think you will have to see teams figure out more specialized kicking that that haven't done so in the past if they want to use this tool uh, that's available to them. But I, I do think you had good opinions there, even though you went a little long and got the cheese. Uh, Rick, your two minutes, buddy. All right. So, one, uh, I agree. It's too early to be doing this, even though we've heard about these potential rule changes for a little while. 
I think it's not the right time. Um, I would almost say you do this maybe right after the World Cup in 2023 um, and look at some other rule changes as well that uh, could be beneficial. And please, God, not lowering the tackle height. That that just needs to go bye-bye. Um, the one, the uh, kick, I agree. 50 is ridiculous. There's tons of kickers at the professional level who can easily – uh, one bounce it out inside the 22 from from inside their 50. Um, I would say minimum of 40, so that would be my adjustment, minimum from the 40, from the 10, from their own 10, or from, like you said, like the 22. That would be very impressive to consistently be able to kick it back uh, deep, deep. And when you already have wings back covering to be able to get it out. And I think then you could earn it that way. Um, where I totally disagree with you is on giving the ball to the defense for holding the ball up in, uh, in goal. When you go from having the ball to almost scoring and let's say the ref just doesn't see the grounding, right? And he calls it held up because he doesn't see the grounding. The defense gets the ball. What? Now I, I get like, they've got a, a goal line drop kick and you know, the former offense is going to probably get the ball back, but You've, you've totally done a disservice to the offense by making them take it um, from maybe the 22 or deeper rather than taking it at a five meter scrum. I think that just needs to be taken out altogether. So those are my, my positions on those. I think they should wait until after 2023 World Cup, but um, they need to do away with the, the idea of the held up inside the tri zone to a, uh, to a goal line kick. I hear you, and I like I like the dissent among the ranks here, and it's it's not always about you know everybody being uh, you know on the same wavelength, and I I think your timeline I think is a little off. I, I would rather see the timeline say January first of this year, and that way you can get all your qualifiers out of the way without having a rule change. You know what I mean? Um, you know, throughout the year, so your international windows are, are kind of done. The qualifiers are done, and then you could say going into next year, we're going to have these changes. So that way you can give your camps time to run with these changes and figure out how they want to do it. Um, that's just me personally. I mean, who knows? Maybe this is the best time to do it just to get it done and trial it for the 12 months because then it's going to roll into the next, you know, the next cycle next year. Um, I think, you know, it, the the right now the rugby league rule is 40-20, right? And that's kind of what inspired this 50-20, uh, 50 or 50-22 rule. Um I do think we could do a, we could do it bringing it back, but I mean I got to be honest. Even watching in the MLR, um, I wonder what how it's going to affect the MLR teams who play on turf and those who play on grass. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, anybody who's going to play it if they start going back to Vegas as like neutral site venues, <laughs> I mean that fifty twenty two rule is going to be banged out like crazy. Or you're going to have to put so many guys back because you're scared of the 50-22 rule in Vegas that there's you know holes the size of me and Ali Khalifi you know in the back line there and and you're just going to run it through. Did, did um, you just put yourself and Ali Khalifi in the same sentence? <laughs> yeah, in size. Seriously, size. I think. Okay, dude. I, I, when I saw him, Cam Dolan, I'm going with Rob Hammerstein. <laughs> <laughs> First Next of all, man. you're like 35 years older than Cam Dolan. You played, <laughs> you played, played eight man like the last three years of your He's career. You couldn't play inside. Let's let's stop. He developed the his lineout skill after he saw me yeah. back when he was uh, <laughs> knee high to a groundhog, my friend. Yeah. Okay. Uh huh. Uh huh. 
Uh-huh. That's I'm not even going to comment on that. But um, yeah, I think I, I think depending on where you're playing, it might affect other uh, teams differently if MLR is going to adopt that law as well um, versus the internationals playing on grass. So I think, you know, you have to think about it both ways. Um, but before I get into my other comments, Rob, your two minutes starts now. Uh, so just put my two minutes on pause. I just have one question for Rick Collins. Do they legalize marijuana in Texas? Not, not yet. Okay. Cause I just wonder what you're smoking. Like wait until, <laughs> wait, wait until rugby world cup 2023. Are you off your, uh, out of your, I agree. The time is terrible. Terrible. Rob. But, but to wait until 2023, no, no, no way. What no. they're trying to do with these two rules is they're trying to make the game more exciting. And if it's it indeed their attempt, I think what they needed to do is trial these laws at the club level at, at much more um, vociferously throughout the rest of the world in various leagues, uh, you know, MLR, the Prem, Pro 14, not just, you know, um, a, a, Super Rugby, Super Rugby AU, um, and and really get a better survey sample of how this impacts the speed of the game before they wholesale change it. You know, in preparation for the World Cup, I agree. Oh, no. Scott, I'm saying after the World Cup, right? The World Cup. But, but they're they're trying to capitalize on marketing and making this game more exciting and and, and increase scoring and increase the excitement of the game, and they're doing that because they want to try to generate the energy into 2023 and more make it more of a commercial enterprise, right? But um, they need to do this uh, in a little bit more sensible way in the season scheduling. But uh, two but, things, uh, two 50, things. 50, 50-22 rule. Um, the intent was to force the defensive team to drop more players in coverage, I think, as, as uh, the big guy said, and therefore open up space. Uh, they might be able to accomplish that task at the club level because you don't have the quality of kicking that you do at the international level. At the international level, A, your fullbacks are much better covers can get in places faster. And so I don't think you're going to see that develop and, and your kickers might be able to kick uh, into this and trial it, but let's face it. What's it going to do? It's going to create more of a kicking volley back and forth. And we already hate to see that as it is at the international level. Uh, 50, 22 at first, I hated this idea or sorry. Um, I hated the uh, idea of the goal line dropout. Um, I actually kind of like this um, because Quite frankly, you're going to see teams instead of pick and go, start to throw it wide. So I think I think both I think Rob's right. Both of both of the rules are trying to give uh, more uh, open play, right, uh, and and attacking play to, to these teams, especially trying to get it done. I think Rob's exactly right to get it into that window to have it these in the Rugby World Cup 2023 to make it more exciting. Obviously, the southern southern hemisphere you know, loves their league rugby. You know, it's exciting. It's this, it's that. And I think some fans will jump on that bandwagon. If, the, if, if rugby is quote unquote, more exciting when they first see it, big scores and things like that. Um, yeah. I, I, I see what Rick was saying about maybe doing it past, you know, waiting for it, but I do, I gotta be honest. I do agree with Rob that the timing of it has to be before if, if they're looking to push it forward. So my, my question is, Honestly, you guys are talking about the the kickers. I don't see these kickers doing that much. I, I, I to be honest, you know, in open play when the bodies are flying, I think it's going to be way harder for a kicker to do this than we think. Um, you're going to have need a specialized guy who could tiptoe that line and not hit it straight out. You know, you're going to have to have a player who's willing to take a really nasty hit. You know, to, to be honest. And, and, you know, we've had it in the MLR the past couple of weeks with some big charge downs that, that on open kicks that have been, you know, taken back for tries. 
I don't know how much it's going to work based upon what we think. Guys are getting bigger. Guys are kicking with less accuracy, with less bigger, you know, with, with, you know, the bigger they get, the less kicking they're doing. I don't know. I just, I don't think it's going to work as well as we think. Maybe Eddie, Eddie Jones was onto something putting Ford at 10 and Farrell at 12, because this fits perfectly into that game plan because Ford will be getting England all the lineouts from inside their opposing teams. 22. Yeah, but I want to see him taking two or three big hits. Uh, then you lose your one guy. I don't know. He's already doing it. They're just going to get the ball now. Any set piece, a line out or a scrum, anywhere close to half, your play is to get it to your 10 who's kicking to try to get it inside the, the their 10 or their five or whatever. And and look at look at look at look at the stats in MLR. Everybody other than the arrows scores instantly <laughs> off their off their five meter line out. Like yeah. it's it's an automatic. So yeah, I don't know. I'm yeah, sorry I want to because every team I I I I follow cannot do it. Canada and the arrows anyway. Well I'm but, wondering well, yeah, I'm wondering when you drop off all the wingers and maybe you drop off a friggin' center because you're scared of it, are you really going to be kicking that much? Because now you're going to try and have open play in 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 on the ball. And you look at a team like Rooney, who doesn't drop back players that often and strategically, you know, kind of had players riding that line, as we'll say, about whether they're back or not. And their their defensive line play is so good because of it. Now, if they have to commit those guys back because they're scared of this rule. You know, it's just going to open up for for guys to make plays. So, you know, I wonder how, again how much is the kicking actually going to happen if you guys if you have guys back there to trying to keep the ball in play. I'm going to throw out a wild card. We didn't talk about the one rule that they decided not to implement. In the I was going to bring next. I was going to bring that up next. So the, the rule he's talking about is the 20 minute red card, which is something we're trialing in MLR as well. Um, I feel like if uh, I don't. I don't think. I think it's only happened two or three times in the entire MLR season, it, um, and it hasn't been as effective as. Or it hasn't affected the matches as much as we thought going into it. Correct me if I'm wrong, guys. The red cards have been later in the game, so yeah. Yeah, and not only that, but even if you got a red card early in the game, and you're like, well, they just get to bring somebody on after 20 minutes. That guy's not the starter who got the red card. Plus the fact that there's still he's going to miss the next match, right? So if you get a star player, get that red card, not only does it affect that game, maybe not as much as it it would have, it's still going to affect the next match, and you still get the action of 15 on 15 uh, with that time period of them being down a man. I like it. I like that rule. I don't know why they did not implement that. I'm going to agree with you. All the rugby purists, uh, especially Southern Hemisphere, it feels like, are saying that they don't like it. Like people are, it's you're not penalizing that player. That player's not going to think twice before they do something stupid because they know their team isn't going to be down 14 for the rest of the game. But I agree with you. The player still is still putting themselves on the line to have an additional um, suspension. So, so yeah, I, I like yeah. it too. Yeah, I, and I agree. I like it too. Um, it. it it just for me, it avoids the fact that you might, you know, especially because we don't have uh, the ability to go to TMO 
and therefore allow officials to really evaluate intent, especially on some egregious infractions. It, 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 it would allow a little bit of leeway so that officials, if they're not quite sure about intent, can issue the soft, if you will, soft red, if you will. And team's still penalized, but it, but it's only for 20 minutes. And that player, the emphasis put on pl- emphasizes uh, putting a penalty on that player rather than penalizing rather than the, the entire team. team. Yep. And well, I think you're still, playing, still, yeah, and you're and you're still giving the emphasis on that player when they're not starting in the next match. Right. So I think I, I like you know I think you're giving it's a delayed gratification on what they were doing depending on the infraction, but now it's going to be in the back of your mind. Oh man, I just screwed my team for 20 minutes in this match and all of next match, and I wasn't supposed to get a break. Coach was going to start me, um, and I think Rick is right. I mean, right now with the way the MLR is playing, um, sometimes the backup isn't you know up to snuff. You know, as some of these starters, based upon the roster, the rosters we've had to build, based upon injuries, based upon loans, based upon trades you have to make, based upon the fact that Toronto's all the way playing in Atlanta and all of their loans have to be Americans who they probably never really scouted before. Things like that, you know, because Toronto's really trying to keep the you know the Canadians in Toronto. It's their thing. So I mean, I could see that being an issue um but getting back to the the two rules that we are supposedly going to go through i think it i think the biggest thing for the internationals is we're playing like doug said in his in his first two minutes you know we're playing a set against england and ireland july 4th and july 10th and then we're going to play rugby can and the rugby can is playing what uh, uh wales the fourth or ireland the fourth and wales the 10th um, and then we're playing each other for our for our uh, World Cup qualifiers, and now all of a sudden the fifty twenty two rules in effect, and don't, this is the first time we're going to try it internationally is in rugby World Cup qualifiers not, against each. Why not start it at the beginning of the international window? Just yeah. start it right now, before yeah. the before the Lions tour gets gets going, and before all this happens, like. Yeah, and and I, I'd go with starting at January one. Yeah. Um. You know you or or. Or you could allow the Prem could start it. Obviously, they start earlier. The Prem could start it after the internationals, you know, are over or whatever. You start at January 1. You allow some teams to, you know, clubs to get, um, you know, some experience with it. And then when you hit the internationals, guys have made that adjustment already in 2022. And they kind of know what's going to work and what's not going to work uh, when they're doing it at the highest of levels uh, with the greatest of stakes, and that being the internationals. Absolutely. And before we go to break and, and the big guy picks his winner, I just want to say this. Imagine you have somebody like Harry Bennett. I could see Harry Bennett doing this. Harry Bennett, uh, Rooney held, holds up a ball in 2022 against the Dallas Jackals. Harry Bennett kicks his drop kick all the way down the field. And in Vegas, it just bounces and bounces and bounces. And all of a sudden, Rooney get the attacking line out on 21-meter line after holding up a ball. That Dallas what are we doing? Just- what are we yeah. doing? We should have scored the try. We should have scored the try. <laughs> the ref didn't see it. He called it because he couldn't see it. And we don't have TMO. It was grounded. The only reason I say that is I want Rick Collins to spiral out, but let's take a break and hear from <laughs> before the big guy makes his selection. We'll be right back. Tighthead Brewing Company is Chicago's premier location to watch rugby and enjoy quality ales and lagers for all seasons. Located in Mundelein, Illinois, in the heart of Lake County, owner Brewster and the Tighthead staff will ensure you are kept well hydrated so you don't miss a single scrum. Tighthead's tap room is like the familiar rugby clubhouse in which friends and families can meet, socialize, and enjoy the action of every Major League Rugby Derby that will electrify the 2021 season. 
Head to Tighthead on Saturday, July 3rd at 3 p.m. to see the Seawolves travel to San Diego. The watch parties will happen every week throughout the season up to the Major League Rugby Final on August 1st. Hey, Chicago, when you want to watch rugby, Tighthead Brewing Company will satisfy your thirst. Tighthead, it's worth more than a try. Rugby Coffee was born out of two passions, providing ethically sourced coffee and promoting the growth and development of rugby. By combining these two passions, the folks at Rugby Coffee see an opportunity to bring people together. And together, we can make a difference. Rugby Coffee invests 10% of their profits into giving kids opportunities to play rugby and projects that help uplift communities. These endeavors have been transformational in many kids' lives and uplifted and empowered these communities. The boys at Rugby Coffee are taking pre-orders on their three distinct brews, Jouet Jouet, Champions Cup, and Crowd Favorite, which is a mild North American blend. Each brew has its own unique style and flavor. Get your brew and support youth rugby. A simple vision can be transformational. Rugby as a sport can inspire communities, bring hope, and provide opportunity. Rugby coffee, it's not just a game, it's a way of life. And we're back, everybody. got to pay those bills. The time has come for the big guy to select the winner. Man, this has been uh, this has been a fun one. A uh, lot of controversy, a um, lot of mixed opinions. Um, you know, I think everybody everybody's opinion was valid. I don't think you know anybody had a, uh, their opinion was like completely factually wrong or didn't make sense uh, explaining it. You'd be surprised how many people come up here like Rob the Hammer Hammerschmidt and. <laughs> Take the topic and then just completely talk about something different. Like not even <laughs> after Scott the guy Ferrara introduces and opens the door to and then academy t- teams and rugby <laughs> development. And then Ty <laughs> win after he didn't talk about the topic at all. It's it blows my mind. Um maybe maybe I killed Ty. Maybe that's why Ty's not here. I finally took him out. <laughs> I'm joking. Once we again, love Ty. Have, did you eat him? Yeah, we one hand we folded them like a like a Chicago deep dish pizza and just popped them. No, but you you should see you should see Ty back next week with us. Um, But honestly, I think I'm going to give this week's win to Doug Wilkie up in the up in the even with the yellow. I know, really. You know what it is? I'm gonna tell you guys, you're that down. You're that scarred from my from my victories. Let me explain. Oh, Mike Ty, I'm going to explain why. One, I think he had great premises, even if he went long. Two, I feel bad that they just got out of their third lockdown, and (laughs) Ward has been free for seven months. So it's more of a just a pity, a pity win for Doug Wilkie. I don't want to. to Doug Wilkie, the floor is yours. Yeah, thanks, gentlemen. It's great. I think this is my third time on. Finally, finally the winner. But uh, yeah, it's it's always uh, great being on with you guys. And uh, keep doing what you're doing. You're doing great, great stuff for rugby in North America. Thanks, Doug. We appreciate it. And for those of you who want to see what we do, you can catch us out uh, on our social media at Rugby Ant Pod on all social media. You can catch us Fridays on TRN where this segment airs. Um, we, we've been having you know great feedback from TRN. We love using TRN as the MLR service. Um, it's great to be able to just replay all the games. You know, you can't catch a game or, you know, somebody tells you there's a great game or there's, you know, a proposed game of the uh, year that you missed. You can go see it 24 hours later. It's great. It's instant. Show all your friends. TRN's a great service. And and how great was it to have an international this week with uh, Samoa versus the three o'clock in the morning? 
but at least we can watch the replay. We can watch, the replay. watch the replay. <laughs> Listen, we can't change the time zones, Dougie. Let's let's be honest. Here. <laughs> Just have them both, yeah. you know, fly out over here to play it. <laughs> and if you guys want to catch out this full full episode a little bit before it shows up on TRN, go to our Facebook page, Rugby Rant Podcast Show, where you can also check out the game analysis segment. Uh, that we have afterwards again guys thank you so much for watching we really appreciate it i'm scott the big guy ferrara that's rob the hammer hammer schmidt for doug wilkie rick collins and our buddy ty who couldn't be here thank you so much and we'll see you at the next r.i.p r.i.p ty <laughs> and welcome back rugby rant fans and you know we we're we're into our game analysis portion it's scott the big guy ferrara rob the hammer hammer schmidt and as we introduced before rick collins from texas rugby monthly and dallas jackal super fan and we're actually going to talk about one of uh one of his uh rival teams uh, we had a big western conference clash between uh the ags and san diego legion out in torero stadium um you know it was a hot one uh west coast east coast every everybody was hot this week i mean even you know just looking at the Rooney match in ATL, <laughs> that 20-minute delay to get an ambulance, I think really, you know, had some of the teams struggling down the stretch. So I can only They're imagine that was a line. Yeah, I know. It was, uh, it was crazy. And, <laughs> and uh, you know, I can only imagine, you know, San Diego, you know, same style. And And to be honest, when you start to get that night creeps in, that ball gets a little dewy. So I can I can only imagine what kind of what kind of weather they were dealing with really and it was, I feel it was like a tale of two halves for the teams. Um, it was an Austin uh, bonus point win, uh, Austin thirty three, San Diego fourteen. Austin is still fighting for that second place position that Utah has seemed to take a hold of and just always at the last last gasp just keeps on winning and 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 pushing ahead. But um, you know, let's have Rob break it down. Uh, so there were a couple of takeaways that I had from the match, and and one of them is this: is that we we've always talked about the AG's stout defense, uh, especially early in the season. Just they seem to be one of the best defensive teams, taking over or taking the mantle from Seattle. Uh, it would have been in twenty eighteen, or sorry, twenty eighteen and twenty nineteen. Um, what I liked and, and saw on Saturday was the fact that they were able to generate some offense. Um, and so I, I really was impressed by the backline combo of Bryce Campbell, who is now uh, Captain America uh, for the United States, just announced um, as we went uh, to um, you know to record. Um, I thought he was fabulous. I thought he had a tr- tremendous strike rate coming out of that center position. He really made some meters. Uh, so I was impressed with him. Um, and then I really liked uh, what I saw to Mooneyham, uh, and and he really um, brought that elusiveness. Uh, to that offensive back line. And so that, that one-two punch, I think, is pretty lethal. And when they get that click in, man, uh, teams are going to have to look out. Uh, I talked about defense earlier. And, one of, again, stout defense, defensive line speed was incredible. They put pressure on Joe Peterson quite often. Um, and, 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 and you know, they got to him. And, and that's ultimately what his, uh, his doing was in the end as he left the game because he took a really, really hard hit. Um, when he was looking to make a play. Um, and so, you know, that part of their game was impressive. And then finally, along with that defensive line speed was defensive pressure. I noticed uh, they had a, a really nice kick chase um, that they uh, that they knocked down, um, led to a try, I believe. They contested really well at the mall and a couple steals there. And then, um, yeah, DeHaas had that charge down. 
and their kick chase and the high ball was awesome. Um, they really put pressure on, uh, on, on San Diego in that component. So um, those are the three things that I took away and I really liked what I saw out of, out of Austin. I had actually picked San Diego um, and, and super brute. And um, they, that was the one game I lost. I really think that um, San Diego, I thought they would be more better. Yeah. You know, that, that, uh, that grand slam point killed me. Cause that was the one uh, loss I took as well. in super brute. I took San Diego by one. Cause to me, it felt like a pick em game. Um, you know, you talk about uh, Joe Peterson, you know, him and Bjorn Basson were kind of the only offensive highlights for San Diego. And I think, you know, when you have a team like Austin who is struggling uh, offensively early in the season, but their defense has kind of been, you know, straight on the straight and narrow. Um, you need some things like a couple of cheeky uh, scores and plays. And one of those came from our buddy, Jamie McIntosh. Um, Cam Dolan, like at the line to dot down a try when uh, San Diego wasn't paying attention. And, and you know, I, that had happened to, to San Diego a couple weeks ago or, or about a month ago as well. So, I mean, you know, I think it's just, you, you, get into that mode of, oh, man, I want to put pressure on and you make one mistake and somebody can capitalize. So, Rick, let's talk about the AGs. Yeah, so uh, the one thing that has only been mentioned by a few people over the last few weeks with the AGs was uh, Kurt Morass stepping into 10 um, has made a huge difference for them. That offense, um, I mean, there were real concerns about Ruben DeHaas and where he was coming in because he had looked so poor in the first couple of matches he started uh, with them. But when Kurt Marath came in, it seems to have made uh, the whole you know difference of the world for that team uh, to have him at 10 with Ruben Haas at nine and then maybe Mac Mason back to 15. Um, and then Will McGee coming off the bench at either position, wherever they need him. Um, and that's funny because I think, you know, starting out the season, they were thinking Kurt Marath's going to, when he's healthy, he's going to come off the bench uh, because he's a guy, you know, he probably only has a couple of years left. Um, you know, he can still play a bit, but he's already up in his, in his mid thirties. Uh, so come off the bench, be that impact player, but man, you bring him in the starting lineup and they started scoring points. And what you're saying is the defense has been there all year, but it was the point scoring that hadn't been there. And then all of a sudden the last three, four weeks, they're putting it together on the offense and Mooneyham's fantastic. And now apparently he's taken another knock. Um, this last week gotcha. at San Diego and will not join um, Team USA over in England. Uh, hopefully he'll be ready to go by the time, uh, you know, fall internationals roll around. But um, it's a young team. It's a good team. Um, they obviously spent a lot of money this offseason uh, bringing in guys and I think bringing in the right guys. Uh, they're a team on the upswing. They may not make the playoffs. In fact, I, I don't think they will make the playoffs this year. Uh, Utah has a fairly easy um, uh, stretch here in the last two. And I think that's fine. I think when you look at what they did the last three years, this year has been such a huge step forward. Uh, I think they'll be very happy with the results and go into next year with a lot of promise, Um, along with the huge increase of attendance in moving to uh, CODA. Uh, so there's a lot to be happy about if you're an AG's fan or a player down there. You know, I think, you know, st- we we saw the recent move, uh, recent news that the Free Jacks are moving a little bit closer to Boston in a stadium that's going to have some more capacity because I think they've already outgrown Union Point, to be quite honest, from what I 
from when I talked to Phil Harris, who is, you know, one of the uh, uh, Free Jack super fans, and, and him going there, um, he was saying it's getting a little tight, believe it or not. Um, so I think, you know, having that, you're right, having Coda, having, having kind of their home settled. Um, and as we see, it's like a party atmosphere down there. And I hear a lot of away fans going, I want to go to Austin to that away match. Um, even though I know some some fans complain that, oh, you can hear the the PA announcer and you can hear the music. I got to be honest, though, if they're having fun in the stands and they're selling the tickets and they're putting butts in seats. I'll, t- I'll tell I'll you be- what, if, it, if, if on TV it's not as good a product, um, I didn't notice it when I was at the match. I had a blast. We had a great time. Um, when you go out um, to kind of the open area where they have food and uh, beer and everything, um, they have a little mini field for kids to play. Um, it it is a great spot, um, plenty of parking, you know, I think they can grow a little bit there. Um, if they really want to grow more, I think they'll move to, you know, off the FC or something like that, uh, to that stadium. But I, this could easily be a home for, for many years. Yeah. And I think everybody wants that atmosphere. That's one, not only appealing to yourself as a home fan, but getting those away fans to come over. I mean, that's one of the highlights of of my trips to Rooney matches is to meet away fans. I get to meet, you know, free Jacks fans, Atlanta fans, you know, it was, it's nice to meet them. I have fun meeting them. You know, the Utah fans were great a couple weeks ago and that's, that's one of the highlights of me going. Um, so I think if that's the atmosphere, everybody should strive to create. And I think the other thing that you touched upon was them, the players they got, but also something that I think a lot of people miss is the culture there. The past two years was kind of up and down. They had a lot of movement within their organization. And now that that has stabilized, that has dripped down to the field level. And you could tell by the consistency of their defense and your offense is something, you know, can go up and down no matter how good you are. Look at the Giltinis, right? So I think the consistency from the front office and the admins has finally dripped down to their players and they're playing consistent ball. And that's what you need to do to win the MLR. But I do agree with you. I think Utah kind of almost has a, a creeping little sneaky stranglehold on that number two, that number two position. They can lose out and get a couple of bonus points. And I think they're in. Mm-hmm. And and I want to just go back. I think Rick, you touched upon a great point, and that is um, that that whole experience surrounding um, going to the stadium. I, and I'm speaking generally about all MLR teams, but I think it's something that can't be overlooked. Um, you know, from a fan experience, when I watch those games at home, I don't think the music is is a distraction at all. But more importantly, for those fans to going there, it's got to be an experience that they want to have back again. And that music and that, that engagement, all those things have to be there. The fireworks, the fog machine, everything, all that stuff has to be there for fans to say, you know, I want to go back again. That was worth my 25 or $30 ticket or whatever it is. And so I think that's uh, it's critical um, to, to, to really growing a fan base and they're doing a heck of a job down there. Yeah. Yeah. And, and commissioner Killebrew calls it, you know, rugby tainment. And that's what I think everybody's trying to achieve. I want to go back to San Diego real quick. Cause San Diego did have two yellow cards late in the match, um, leaving them down 13 men. So, I mean, if you go by, so they had uh, the first yellow card at 69 minutes and the second one at 76 minutes. And then if you look at the last two tries, you had the Ruben de Haas, um, Charge down. Uh, charge down. Uh, I think it was an offload from Lockie uh, McCarthy came. Uh, McC- Lockie McCaffrey, excuse me, came in uh, on an offload to actually get him that try. Um, and then uh, McCaffrey scores one himself. Uh, now that that now that they are uh, fourteen men down, and then that thirteen men down with four minutes. I think at that point Austin just you know they had their bonus point win. 
they just had to hold San Diego at bay to keep them out outside of seven points, even though San Diego really, I don't think they're going to creep back in it. But I think this is now the third game in a row that the last 10 minutes, San Diego ended with less than 15 men. So, you know. And, and that was, and that charge down was started with the Haas. Yeah. yeah. It started with the Haas and it ended right. with the Haas. But right. McCaffrey right. In the middle as, as, uh, you know, yeah. I given yeah that link there. Um, so and then, here, here's and, the thing. And, I, but I think that was I, I like to go back to that real quick. Yeah. Sorry, Rick, but uh, Scott, I think you're 100. Like that was the almost the death nail mm-hmm. uh, for San Diego, right? Because at that point it was 14, 19. You know, it's it's within a, a an unconverted try of them going of San Diego going ahead and actually getting back into the on top of the match. And that hit, and now it's 14 to 26 with the conversion and. Now you're you're talking about a team that that's really under pressure, and then you get the two yellows, and it's yeah, it's a done deal. And you know the two yellows, uh, even though those came late, uh, they they just didn't. They they always seemed to be in an offside position throughout the game. They just, I think fitness was a big issue for them this year. Uh, just from watching their matches, the the quality of players is there. But you look at the fitness of the Giltinis or um, Utah or Austin, and I just don't think San Diego's fitness levels were there. Uh, they they always seem to be out of position. Well, I think that also has to do with their injury concerns because you have guys like Nate Osberger who's injured and then in and then injured and then in. You yeah, know, and, yeah. and I think you know you don't get that. Uh, consistency in your gameplay, and it's not just him; it's a bunch of players that on the yeah, roster. Peterson, Rubshaw, yeah, yeah. So Africa I mean, yeah, and, and and it's funny. So you know, for those of you that don't know, you know, believe it or not, the players get a sheet on the referees too, right? So everybody knows Scott Green's calls a really tight offsides line, you know, and Rooney had trouble the first two matches he was refereeing for them on offsides and it's one of those things where you're screaming at TV just take another half a step back because you know he's going to call it and he's called it all match but I think what's telling is San Diego kind of stalled on their offense between I'd say like uh the right after Jamie McIntosh scored and then the next time the Haas scored on the charge down it didn't seem like San Diego could get anything going so think about it McIntosh scores I think it's the 41st or 42nd minute and it was a sneaky one somebody wasn't paying attention okay you let that mental lapse go behind you. But at that point, you really have to push to score, you know, because now you're saying we can't let those mental lapses happen. And it just kind of stalled and stalled and stalled. And I think that was just the cycle um, of, of San Diego. Again, I think their continuity has not been there because of all the injuries they've had and because they've had to change venues a million times. And San Diego is changing venues again. They'll be at Chula Vista with no fans. Um, they haven't said why there's no fans. I'm going to give you just some speculation. It is where the Olympic, yeah, well, Olympic teams are playing there. Mm-hmm. So I think under their COVID strict, they, I'm sure they have strict COVID protocols before they go to Japan. So I yeah. would assume because the MLR guys are vaccinated and tested and the, the, the admins are vaccinated and tested and the coaches are vaccinated and tested, they can, they, you know, they're allowed to be there for, under those strict COVID rules. That's just my speculation. The big guy doesn't know anything, but people have been asking. And in my mind, it just made sense that it's, way. It, that Scott, sense. it's, it's, it's funny you say that because I've actually, I won't get into the, the, the gory details, but I was at a venue uh, mm-hmm. that was being used for uh, Olympic, um, uh, you know, Olympic pregames and uh, where there was strict protocols and things. And they were, I mean, they had that place locked down 
Like yeah. you could not get into certain places simply because the possibility of cross-contamination. So I think in that regard, you're a hundred percent spot yeah. on. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, San Diego will, will be at home against the Seawolves uh, Saturday afternoon. It's a bye week for the AGs. Yeah. Um, they prep for their second game against uh, the Giltinis on July 10th. We'll see if uh, the, if the AGs can come back. I know, I know the first match I want to say was a tight one um, up until like the last 10 or 15 minutes, I believe. Uh, if I recall that correctly. So that'll be a good one in two weeks. But anyway, we're talking about, we just finished up with Austin 33, San Diego 14. Austin clinging on to that third place and, and just reaching, just trying to get to <laughs> second place from Utah. Thin um, margins. Yeah, it's very thin margins in both conferences, which is nice to see. Um, but I think this is great analysis, guys. I think as we're getting into the dog days of summer now, we realize maybe we should definitely start in February next year because I think the, the <laughs> is some of the ball play. But again, I know George Killebrew listens to me all the time. Kamish, you know what to do. Anyway. Guys, I ran into so him much. in Houston. I should have. Yeah, next time you run into him, be like, the big guy said, you got to start in February. You got to listen to the big guy. Because I'm sure he remembers <laughs> Anyway, guys, thank you so much for the analysis. Um, everybody, uh, you know, you can check us out at Rugby Rant pod on all forms of social media including tiktok i like to have fun around there um check us out rpks every monday rick collins obviously you know d- doesn't get it you know he's a, he's a true dad <laughs> I'm too old for that. <laughs> but, um, yeah check us out at rugby rant pod on all social media um check us out on monday nights with our rpk interviews uh this past monday we had andrew guerra of the nola gold and currently out on the Eagle squad. Um, yep. Good luck, Andrew, and good luck, Eagles. And, guys, this is a great episode. Thank you so much for watching. I'm the big guy, Scott Ferrara. That's Rob the Hammer Hammerschmidt. For Rick Collins from Rugby Texas Monthly and from Doug Wilkie from our previous segment and our buddy Ty, who couldn't be here, thanks for watching, and we'll see you at the next. money on exterior wall lights now at menards find your style with patriot lighting exterior lights enhance the look of your home choose from over 50 options from patriot lighting now through may 19th get ten dollars instant savings on a single qualifying purchase of 100 or more on in-stock outdoor wall lights check out our entire selection of outdoor lights and see the rest of our deals happening now on menards.com save big money at